welcome to this week's episode of the Portrait of Knox podcast, the podcast where I read the picture of Dorian Gray out loud. I am your very sick host and reader, Christina Knox. So I do have a either a sinus infection or a cold of some kind, so everything inside of my sinuses is just destroyed right now. So I apologize for sounding like this, but we will truck on because I made this goal to do this podcast every week and being sick is not going to stop me. It will make me sound silly, but I'm okay with making you guys laugh. I just want to be able to put out my content and this way I know what I sound like when I'm doing ridiculous voices. I'm really excited to do Lord Henry Harry's voice with this this blockage in my sinus cavities going on right now. So, we left off last time with Basil not wanting to have told Lord Henry Harry his uh, muse's name, but he ended up doing it anyways. And Lord Henry Harry jumped on that and he was like, oh! story in gray oh my tell me everything and we ended it with basil being like no no there was a reason i wanted to keep it a secret and here's kind of my my mixed up way of telling you why that is and he ended the statement by saying i suppose you think me awfully foolish about it and we decided to wait to find out lord henry harry's answer so you've waited long enough and now we will find out the answer to the question I suppose you think me awfully foolish about it. I can't do his voice. Let me try again. I suppose you think me awfully foolish about it. There we go. That's better. Okay. Now let's get ready to have sick Lord Henry Harry. Woo. Not at all, answered Lord Henry. Not at all, my dear Basil. You seem to forget that I am married, and the one charm of marriage is that it makes a life of deception absolutely necessary for both parties. I never know where my wife is, and my wife never knows what I am doing. When we meet, we do meet occasionally, when we dine out together or go to the Dukes. We tell each other the most absurd stories with the most serious faces. My wife is very good at it. Much better, in fact, than I am. She never gets confused over her dates, and I always do. But when she does find me out, she makes no row at all. I sometimes wish she would, but she merely laughs at me. I hate the way you talk about your married life, Harry, said Basil Hallward, strolling towards the door that led into the garden. I believe that you are really a very good husband, but that you are thoroughly ashamed of your own virtues. You are an extraordinary fellow. You never say a moral thing, and you never do a wrong thing. Your cynicism is simply a pose. Being natural is simply a pose, and the most irritating pose I know, cried Lord Henry laughing, and the two young men went out into the garden together and ensconced themselves on a long bamboo seat that stood in the shade of a tall laurel bush, I was going to say in the saddle of. Don't know why. The sunlight slipped over the polished leaves. In the grass, white daisies were tremulous. Ooh, beautiful imagery. Damn. After a pause, Lord Henry pulled out his watch. 
I am afraid I must be going, Basil, he murmured, and before I go, I insist on your answering a question I put to you some time ago. What is that? said the painter, keeping his eyes fixed on the ground. You know quite well. I do not, Harry. Well, I will tell you what it is. I want you to explain to me why you won't exhibit Dorian Gray's picture. I want the real reason. I told you the real reason. No, you did not. You said it was because there was too much of yourself in it. Now that is childish. Harry, said Basil Hallward, looking him straight in the face, every portrait that is painted with feeling is a portrait of the artist, not of the sitter. The sitter is merely the accident, the occasion. It is not he who is revealed by the painter. It is rather the painter who, on the colored canvas, reveals himself. The reason I will not exhibit this picture is that I am afraid that I have shown in it the secret of my own soul. Lord Henry laughed. And what is that? he asked. I will tell you, said Hallward, but an expression of perplexity came over his face. I am all expectation, Basil, continued his companion, glancing at him. Oh, there is really very little to tell, Harry, answered the painter, and I am afraid you will hardly understand it. Perhaps you will hardly believe it. Lord Henry smiled and leaned down, plucked a pink-petaled daisy from the grass and examined it. I am quite sure I shall understand it, he replied, gazing intently at the little golden white feathered disc. And as for believing things, I can believe anything, provided that it is quite incredible. The wind shook some blossoms from the trees, and the heavy lilac blooms, with their clustering stars, moved to and fro in the languid air. A grasshopper began to chirrup by the wall, and like a blue thread, a long, thin dragonfly floated past on its brown gauze wings. Lord Henry felt as if he could hear Basil Hallward's heart beating, and wondered what was coming. The story is simply this, said the painter after some time. Two months ago, I went to a crush at Lady Brandon's. A crush? What is a crush? Is it like... Maybe there's context clues. Hold on, I'll read one more sentence before we start guessing. You know we poor artists have to show ourselves in society from time to time just to remind the public that we are not savages. Hmm. Okay. So with this very limited knowledge, is a crush... I think it's either just a party or it's like a mixer where people are trying to hook up with the single people and try to make them not single anymore and be like, hey, I know we're old, but like this guy's single, you're single, he's a good dude, maybe you get married. Maybe that's a crush. I don't know. I hope, I hope the book tells me. I don't want to Google this. I don't want to Google this. I'm not going to. Maybe it'll tell me later. Maybe there's more context clues. We can learn together. This was the struggle in my day. I didn't have Google to rely on every time I didn't know what a word meant. So we're going to live that life again and not know the answer to this. So hopefully we find out. Just like Lord Henry Harry. Also, I disagree with using the word savages. Time and context. Continuing on. With an evening coat and a white tie, as you told me once, anybody, even a stockbroker, can gain a reputation for being civilized. Well, after I had been in the room about ten minutes, talking to huge overdressed dowagers. Sorry, I had to break up a literal catfight. We were somewhere about giant dowagers, which I love that phrasing of. Huge overdressed dowagers. 
and tedious academians, I suddenly became conscious that someone was looking at me. I turned halfway around and saw Dorian Gray for the first time. When our eyes met, I felt that I was growing pale. A curious sensation of terror came over me. I knew that I had come face to face with someone whose mere personality was so fascinating that, if I allowed it to do so, would absorb my whole nature, my whole soul, my very art itself. I did not want any external influence in my life. You know yourself, Harry, how independent I am by nature. I have always been my own master, had at least always been so till I met Dorian Gray. Then, but I don't know how to explain it to you, something seemed to tell me that I was on the verge of a terrible crisis in my life. I had a strange feeling that fate had in store for me exquisite joys and exquisite sorrows. I grew afraid and turned to quit the room. It was not conscience that made me do so, it was a sort of cowardice. I take no credit to myself for trying to escape. Conscience and cowardice are really the same things, Basil. Conscience is the trade name of the firm, that is all. I don't believe that, Harry, and I don't believe you do either. However, whatever was my motive, and it may have been pride for I used to be very proud, I certainly struggled to the door. There, of course, I stumbled against Lady Brandon. Oh no, a woman's voice. I have to do a woman's voice. Oh dear God. Oh no. Oh no. Okay. We'll think of something. I'm probably going to make this really bad for the first one, but it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it, guys. It'll be fine. <clears throat> Especially when I'm sick right now. It's going to be great. You are not going to run away so soon, Mr. Hallward. She's- no. That can't be her voice. What could I do reasonably? I don't know. Hmm. You're not going to run away so soon, Mr. Hallward, she screamed out. No, that's not even... It's a quote within a quote. Oh my god, I'm losing it already. Oh, fuck me. Fuck. <laughs> you know what? Maybe I need... Maybe I need a break right now. Let's take a break and see if I can't come up with something in the meantime. segment of the whiskey corner i'm still sick that short intermission didn't fix anything so this week i'm kind of breaking my own rules and we're gonna be drinking something that is actually a kentucky whiskey but i saw it and it's still relevant because this is actually themed towards the book because this bourbon whiskey is called Basil Hayden's Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, but it's got Basil's name in it, and I really, really love the bottle design, and I had to try it. It's $40, so we're hoping it'll be worth $40. Let's read the bottle. Okay, 
When Basil Hayden Sr. began distilling his smooth bourbon here in 1796, Kentucky was but four years old and George Washington was president. Today, we make Basil Hayden's Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey using the same skill and care that made it a favorite among America's frontier settlers. There's a lot of capitalized words, like all caps, used in this. I'm not really a fan of, but it's got this really cool like band around it made out of like balsa wood and some copper tin thing going on with the logo. I just really like this aesthetic. Okay, what's it say on the back? Artfully aged in Kentucky hillside rack houses, then bottled at a smooth 80 proof, Basil Hayden's sophisticated taste remains true to the old family recipe. With more rye than a traditional bourbon and its trademark spicy finish, it's easy to enjoy Basil Hayden's any way you like. And it is... 40%, 80 proof. It doesn't say how long it's been aging. It says it's artfully aged, but, but for how long? Basil? How long? I don't know. So I tried looking around the bottle some more. I paused this for a minute to give it a, a once over without worrying about recording. Still can't find an actual age on this, so I don't know. I think maybe, I mean, context clues, maybe based on the label saying Kentucky was only four years old. It's only a four-year aged bourbon, but you know, I have no idea. I'm not gonna Google it. You can if you want to. I'm not going to. I'd rather just open this and drink it because my ice is melting. Yay. There we go. The best part of this segment. I honestly don't know where to even start opening this. It's got two different stickers. Foil and stickers. There we go. Oh my god, this one has the fake cork too. All these bottles have fake corks. I may have just given away that I've recorded a couple of these before actually airing them, but that's just the price you pay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Moving on from me shattering that facade, let's give this a taste. It's interesting, the bottle didn't say anything about smells or really even taste, it just said it might be spicy. So I'm fascinated to know what this actually tastes like because that label really gave me nothing at all. Well, it smells like whiskey, looks like whiskey, but does it taste like whiskey? Yup. Yep, there's a, you can tell there's a spice in there. It's not spicy, but there is a kick at the end that like at the back of your tongue just kind of lingers. Not a bad thing. Gives it personality. 
give it a second taste. Before the spice hits, there is kind of a sweet, fragranty thing going on. I don't know if that's just because my sinuses are weird, but it's kind of really smooth and really sweet-ish. And then you're like, bam, there's some spice. And it really warms you up. Like I feel it in my chest and my tummy. This is a good winter whiskey for sipping on. Is it worth $40? I don't think so. But it's not bad. It's pretty, pretty damn good. And the bottle is really cool. I really love this bottle. So I would say for like a holiday, and especially now that winter's coming around, to give it a try, sure, why not? It's a cool bottle. It's a fun thing to do for the holidays. Sir? I don't know if you heard that, but Mookie screaming. Hello. Hi. I think if you had a couple friends going on it with you, then it'd be a fine bottle to share over a long weekend. Hell yeah. So yeah, this this one I approve of. I like this one. I apologize it's not a local whiskey, but it is local to people in Kentucky. And it says Basil. I had to get it. I couldn't not. I saw it and it was too cute. So Basil's whiskey is a three out of five stars just because the price really hits hard for me. The price and taste are not matching. So to me, it's three, a good three, a solid three. Let me know what you think. If you've tried this whiskey or if you do end up trying it, what you think of it, let me know. But with that, let's get back to the story. And we're back to try to figure out our first female voice in the story. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> oh, this is my worst nightmare. I, I should have known. I should have prepared myself better. Okay. We'll think of something. You are not going to run away so soon, Mr. Hallward, she screamed out. You know her curiously shrill voice. Yes, she is a peacock in everything but beauty, said Lord Henry, pulling the daisy to bits with his long, nervous fingers. I could not get rid of her. She brought me up to royalties and to people with stars and garters, and elderly ladies with gigantic tiaras and parrot noses. She spoke of me as her dearest friend. I had only met her once before, but she took it into her head to lionize me. I believe some picture of mine had made a great success at the time, at least had been chattered about in the penny newspapers, which is the 19th century standard of immortality. Suddenly I found myself face to face with the young man whose personality had so strangely stirred me. We were quite close, almost touching. Our eyes met again. It was reckless of me, but I asked Lady Brandon to introduce me to him. Perhaps it was not so reckless after all. It was simply inevitable. We would have spoken to each other without any introduction. I am sure of that. Dorian told me so afterwards. He too felt that we were destined to know each other. Okay, I'm just going to take a step back real quick and just say, or ask really, is this a love story about boys in the 19th century? 
Is that a thing anyone wrote? Let alone men? This sounds like a love story already. He's having his meet cute, but not so random with Dorian Gray. What? Is this a love story? I'm not ready. I'm not ready for this kind of heartbreak. If it is, even if it's, even if it's not technically, if it is, I'm not ready for this. I just finished watching an anime where I went through this pain. I can't handle the pining and the person not acknowledging the pining until it's convenient for them. I can't do it again. And if you're curious, it was, uh, I'm going to say this name wrong, uh, Bungo Stray Dogs. So I just binged all three seasons and the movie. And if you haven't seen it, watch the movie after you watch the first three seasons. It's better that way, in my opinion. It makes it much more sweet. <laughs> There's a moment that if you watch it beforehand, uh, before season three, it kind of makes season three seem cheesy, in my opinion. But when you watch it afterwards, you're like, oh my god, it's so heartwarming. It's precious. So, that's my tangent. I'm not ready for this, is what I'm trying to say. I'm not ready. Oh boy, okay. Lord Henry Harry's the only one that can save us from this emotional spiral we're in. Here we go. Scene. And how did Lady Brandon describe this wonderful young man? Asked his companion. I know she goes in for giving a rapid pre- Oh no, now there's French. Oh dear God. Precis? Precis? Nope, that sounds Spanish. Okay, we're gonna Google it because I can't foreign language anything except Japanese. Here we go. Precis. Precis. Okay. I guess that's what we call it. Sure. I know she goes in for giving a rapid praise of all her guests. I remember her bringing me up to a truculent and red-faced old gentleman covered all over with orders and ribbons and hissing into my ear in a tragic whisper which must have been perfectly audible to everybody in the room the most astounding details. I simply fled. I like to find out people for myself, but Lady Brandon treats her guests exactly as an auctioneer treats his goods. She either explains them entirely away, or tells one everything about them except what one wants to know. Poor Lady Brandon, you are hard on her, Harry, said Hallward listlessly. My dear fellow, she tried to found a salon and only succeeded in opening a restaurant. How could I admire her? But tell me, what did she say about Mr. Dorian Gray? Oh, something like, Charming boy, poor dear mother and I, absolutely inseparable. Quite forget what he does, afraid he doesn't do anything. Oh yes, plays the piano. Or is it the violin, dear Mr. Gray? Neither of us could help laughing, and we both became friends at once. Laughter is not at all a bad beginning for a friendship, and it is far the best ending for one, said the young lord, plucking another daisy. Hallward shook his head. You don't understand what friendship is, Harry, he murmured, or what anonymity is, for that matter. You like everyone, that is to say you are indifferent to everyone. 
How horribly unjust of you, cried Lord Henry, tilting his hat back and looking up at the little clouds that, like raveled skeins of glossy white silk, were drifting across the hollowed turquoise of the summer sky. Yes, horribly unjust of you. I make a great difference between people. I choose my friends for their good looks, my acquaintances for their good characters, and my enemies for their good intellect. A man cannot be too careful in the choice of his enemies. I have not got one who is a fool. They are all men of some intellectual power, of some intellectual power, and consequently they all appreciate me. Is that very vain of me? I think it is rather vain. I should think it was, Harry, but according to your category, I must be merely an acquaintance. My dear old Basil, you are much more than an acquaintance, and much less than a friend, a sort of brother, I suppose. Oh, brothers, I don't care for brothers. My elder brother won't die, and my younger brothers seem never to do anything else. Harry, exclaimed Hallward, frowning. My dear fellow, I am not quite serious, but I can't help detesting my relations. I suppose it comes from the fact that none of us can stand other people having the same faults as ourselves. I quite sympathize with the rage of the English democracy against what they call the vices of the upper orders. The masses feel that drunkenness, stupidity, and immorality should be their own special property, and that if any one of us makes an ass of himself, he is poaching on their preserves. When poor Southwark got into the divorce court, their indignation was quite magnificent, and yet I don't suppose that ten percent of the proletariat live correctly. Monologues. I have questions. What's a Southwark? I don't even think it's pronounced that way. Hiccuped. Sorry. And what does it mean? Is it a person? It seems like in the context it's a person, but it also, just by the spelling, seems like it's a place. Is this a real person? Is it all fiction? Am I going to find out just by reading the story who Southwark is? Who knows? Lord Henry Harry's name is still a mystery. <sighs> Should I stop here? I don't know. Maybe I'll go to the end of the page. It ends It ends with a question, so that seems fun. So we'll go to the end of the page, and then we will stop for this week. Okay, let's get back to it. I don't agree with a single word that you have said, and what is more, Harry, I feel sure you don't either. Lord Henry stroked his pointed brown beard and tapped the toe of his patent leather boot with a tasseled ebony cane. How English you are, Basil. That is the second time you have made that observation. If one puts forward an idea that a true Englishman, always a rash thing to do, he never dreams of considering whether the idea is right or wrong. The only thing he considers of any importance is whether one believes it oneself. Now, the value of an idea has nothing whatsoever to do with the sincerity of the man who expresses it. Indeed, the probabilities are that the more insincere the man is, the more purely intellectual will the idea be, as in the case it will not be colored by either his wants, his desires, or his prejudices. 
However, I don't propose to discuss politics, sociology, or metaphysics with you. I like persons better than principles, and I like persons with no principles better than anything else in the world. Tell me more about Mr. Dorian Gray. How often do you see him? Ooh, okay, I can't. I can't wait two weeks to hear this answer, so we're gonna find out how often he sees Mr. Dorian Gray. Every day. I couldn't be happy if I didn't see him every day. He is absolutely necessary to me. How extraordinary! I thought you would never care for anything but your art. He is all my art to me now, said the painter gravely. I sometimes think, Harry, that there are only two eras of any importance in the world's history. The first is the appearance of a new medium for art, and the second is the appearance of a new personality for art also. What the invention of oil painting was to the Venetians, the face of Anton Antinius. Sure, Antinius. The face of Antinius was to late Greek sculpture, and the face of Dorian Gray will some day be to me. It is not merely that I paint from him, draw from him, sketch from him. Of course I have done all that, but he is much more to me than a model or a sitter. I won't tell you that I am dissatisfied with what I have done of him, or that his beauty is such that art cannot express it. There is nothing that art cannot express, and I know that the work I have done since I met Dorian Gray is good work, is the best work of my life. But in some curious way, I wonder will you understand me? His personality has suggested to me an entirely new manner in art, an entirely new mode of style. I see things differently, I think of them differently. I can now recreate life in a way that was hidden from me before, a dream of form and days of thought. Who is it who says that? I forget, but it is what Dorian Gray has been to me, the merely visible presence of this lad, for he seems to me little more than a lad, though he is really over twenty, his merely visible presence. Ah, I wonder, can you realize all that that means? Unconsciously, he defines for me the lines of a fresh school, a school that is to have in it all the passion of the romantic spirit, all the perfection of the spirit that is Greek, the harmony of soul and body, how much that is. We in our madness have separated the two and have invented a realism that is vulgar, an identity that is void. Harry, if you only knew what Dorian Gray is to me, you remember that landscape of mine for which Agnew offered me such a huge price, but which I would not part with. It is one of the best things I have ever done, and why is it so? Because while I was painting it, Dorian Gray sat beside me. Some subtle influence passed from him to me, and for the first time in my life, I saw in the plain woodland the wonder I had always looked for and always missed. Okay, I think that is now officially where we're gonna end. I gave full extra page because that scene was just really good, and I really enjoy this book. I wish it didn't have its initially racist comments. We will call out what we notice. If you notice more than I do, please feel free to shout it out on my Twitter or wherever, because I think it's important to realize, 
you know, where we came from and the bad things that were published at the times that we now see are problematic and should never have been written. So there's that. But thank you for joining me. Put my glasses back on. Thank you for joining me this week for some more reading from Dorian Gray. It's starting to get saucy. I'm very excited if this is going to be a love story about boys. I'm very excited and terrified. But I hope to see you guys next week for the bi-weekly episode or in two weeks when we return to the story. hope you guys have a good time until then and I will talk to you again next time. Bye! The Portrait of Knox podcast was created, produced, edited, and spoken by me, Christina Knox. Music by Nico from We Talk of Dreams. Check him out on all his social medias down in the description. Find him on the internet. He's fantastic. Make sure to give him lots and lots of love. And please give the podcast a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. It would help out a lot. I assume that's what I hear it does, is somehow it tells people, other people to listen. So if you like it and you don't really want to share it with people in your own circle, just leaving a review will make it pop up to other people. And that'd be lovely for me. And if you very much love what I'm doing here, then uh, if you like, you can donate to my Kofi account, which is down in the description below and on my Twitter feed. Thank you so much for your time and for listening. Those monologues. <laughs> I hope I captured all that. That was hard to do and hurt my nose. <coughs> Her voice is worse. Her voice is way worse.